Hello, and thank you for joining us for Market Sense. I'm Heather Hedges with Fidelity. Thanks for making the time today. And you know what? The calendar has flipped to February. The time is flying. And the groundhog says that spring's going to be coming early. So we've already actually been feeling the warmth, though, when it comes to the markets. Let's talk about those much stronger than expected jobs numbers. They are helping to power consumer spending right now, which is driving much of our economic growth right now. But with that strength also comes the potential, of course, for more inflation. And that seems to be giving the Fed some pause. So to talk about that today and what it means for investors is Urian Timmer, Fidelity's Director of Global Macro. Also with us today is Randell Lenore. She is a Chicago-based branch leader. We're thrilled to have her on the show today to talk about self-care for your finances. And Randall's going to be walking us through some easy steps that you can take to make sure that your accounts and your portfolio match your financial situation for the year. A big welcome to both of you. Thanks for being on the show. Glad to be here. Great to see you both. Well, before we begin, just a quick reminder to folks out there, submit your questions to Randall and Urian. You can leave a comment if you're watching us on YouTube or LinkedIn. You could also, uh, if you're watching us on the Fidelity website, use our Slido poll to leave us feedback. And just a little bit of a reminder here, here are all of the places that you can catch us. You can watch us or you can listen to us if you're on the go. So check out all of the places where you can find Market Sense, and we hope you will tune in every week and make this a weekly habit. And with that, today is Tuesday, February 6th, and the S&P 500 continues to make new all-time highs, in part in anticipation that rate cuts are coming. Uh, but speaking twice since our last show, most recently, just this past Sunday, Fed Chair Jerome Powell pushed back um, on bets that rate cuts could be coming as soon as next month, as soon as March. He said the Fed likely won't be ready to cut rates by next month's meeting. So, Yurian, first question to you is, has the market been getting ahead of itself? Well, it's certainly um, a, a dr dramatic difference from a year ago, right? A year ago, we all came into the year sort of fearing that that recession, that that other shoe that was going to drop after interest rates rose so dramatically in 2022. And, you know, what a difference a year makes. We come into this year with a lot more momentum, uh, the S&P 500, at least on a capitalization-weighted basis, um, made a new all-time high last month for the first time in 106 weeks. That's a wow. long time for the market not to be making a new high, because if you think about the math, right, market over the long term goes up. 10, 11%, about two thirds of the time. So statistically, the market generally is sort of on track to make new highs. And so that new high finally happened in January with a couple of caveats. One is that small caps uh, and even the rest of the broader market are, are not quite participating yet, although my works um, finds that generally when, when the generals are leading, the soldiers do end up following. So I do think it's mostly a matter of time. So the market's coming into this year with a lot of momentum. January is a positive month, and that also brings in the so-called January barometer studies of like if January, if the year starts off uh, with a good month, the year in general tends to be good. There, there's less than meets the eye there, but certainly there is momentum. And now the question is, has that momentum been uh, properly created? Um, and at this point, you know, soft landings, which is basically the Fed raises rates, 
and the economy doesn't break, it just kind of softens. Um, they're not, they're, they're fairly rare, but they do happen sometimes. And right now it looks like a soft landing is underway. And, um, and of course that brings the spotlight to the Fed, as you mentioned, meaning that, you know, the Fed has raised rates quite a bit, 500 plus basis points over a year and a half, the fastest tightening cycle ever. Can the Fed give back some of those rate hikes now that the, the storm presumably has passed in terms of inflation? And I think the answer is a, is a resolute yes. And I think the Fed itself has indicated as much, especially with the December FOMC indicating that maybe three rate cuts are on the horizon. And so that makes sense because as inflation recedes and it's now the inflation rate's now less than 3%, it was 9%, you know, a year or so ago. Uh, so as inflation comes down, the Fed needs to move with it. Otherwise, in inflation-adjusted terms, the Fed actually would be getting more restrictive even when it does nothing. And so it is a moving target. And so the Fed, you know, should move down. But I think as, you know, Jay Powell indicated on 60 Minutes on Sunday, um, not quite so fast. Um, they need to wait. Uh, to make sure that really inflation um, has settled down because the risk is that if they move too quick and the economy is only soft landing instead of hard landing, maybe those excesses that normally really kill inflation haven't quite been flushed out. And so I think the Fed is being prudent um, and, um, and, um, and, you know, but I, I do think those rate cuts will be coming at some point. Okay. You talked about the jobs report. I, I wanted to dig into that a little bit more and also talk about, you know, what other economic indicators you've been taking note of recently. What are they signaling about the economy? You talked a little bit about the January barometer. What is the likelihood of a recession this year versus a soft landing when you consider those economic indicators? Well, so the the yield curve, which is the difference between short rates and long rates, remains inverted. And so we do have to pay respect to what the yield curve is saying. Uh, and the yield curve has, you know, pretty much a perfect track record over the past hundred plus years of predicting a recession. Um, so we have to be remain open minded. Uh, now, if it's a mild recession, I think the market can probably look past that. And you could even make the argument that we've sort of been in a, not a rolling recession, but we've had pockets of weakness already, but they didn't show up all at once. So you mentioned the ISM, which is the Institute for Supply Management, um, is a group of, um, is a is a survey of manufacturing companies and whether they are seeing their business get better or worse. It's called also called the PMI or the Purchasing Manager Index. I'm throwing a lot of acronyms at you here. Um, but the PMI, uh, when it's below 50, it means that the manufacturing sector, which is a, a smaller and smaller part of the U.S. economy, is in contraction. And it's and the PMI has been in contraction, still is, but it's been in contraction for almost two years. And so, but now the latest uh, survey shows a pretty big improvement and the new orders component is actually now above 50. So it looks like the economy is actually uh, re-accelerating uh, on the goods producing side. And so maybe, you know, if it's one thing we learn from 
COVID and the whole, you know, upside down pandemic market cycle is that kind of the least the least likely things seem to be happening. So <laughs> if there was ever a time when the yield curve was wrong, you know, that this would that you know that. Uh, you know, it, it would be this one, but the economy is regaining some momentum while inflation is receding, and that really is the holy grail of soft landings. And you know, we'll we'll see if it continues. All right, I think a lot of people are hoping that that yield curve is wrong for the first time in history. I like the way you brought this back full circle to the pandemic too, because remember, for for really big fans of the show, that's how this show actually started during the pandemic. Helped me to make sense of the markets back then. All right, we can keep going, Yuriad, but I do want to make sure that we have time for our topic today, which is uh, giving your portfolio a little bit of self care. And this is the time of year when people are focused on things like self care. Maybe they're going to the gym more. You got a gym membership for the holidays, or maybe. You're in a cold climate. You winterized your house. You're focused on taking care of your house or your car and, and you're checking things up. But we also have to remember that your checkup also includes your finances. And you've got to give your, your finances some, you know, some love in the form of that regular checkup. So Rendell has some great ideas to fine-tune your investment goals for 2024. And Rendell, I'd really love to start at the beginning here with just basically, you know, the basics. How do we get started? Yeah. First, I would like to say, you know, really excited about this news of like momentum, like just not just with what's going on in the markets, but like where we are at in the year. The beginning of the year is just so exciting. You have this yeah. emotional boost to get you going. New year, new me energy. So let's make it new year, new money. <laughs> let's think I love about that. that. New year, new money. So um, what you can do to make sure that you capture all of what we've discussed and accomplish your goals a little stronger this year is to first take this time to assess where you are and then construct a plan of where you're going. So you can't say that you've had a good year if you've never set a mark that you're trying to accomplish. So dig deep and think about what's meaningful for you. And uh, maybe like the market's been a little bit stressful for you and you finally want to do something like rebalance your accounts routinely. Maybe you're thinking about taxes. We'll talk about it in a bit, but taxes are going up this year. Do you want to be smarter about how to manage taxes in your account? Want to set up an estate plan? Um, do you want to set up an HSA, pay off your debt? Finally find a financial person that you can work with and partner with this year. So whatever it is, set up your goals and set up when you want to accomplish them. And then with those goals in mind, you need to assess where you are today. That's the foundation. That's the that's the waterline for where you are. So the assessment should include your net worth. So that's your assets minus your liabilities. The assessment should be all of the money that you have coming in from all of these different places and money that you have going out to pay for lifestyle or debt or savings. Um, and you should think about an inventory of all of your accounts. How much are they? Where are they at? Uh, so that you can really get a good handle of where you are today and determine your next steps. Uh, you just mentioned calculating your net worth. You said it's your assets minus your liabilities. Can you talk a little bit more about how to figure out that number and how long it might take somebody? I mean, are we talking about, is this a, a day long project or is this about the time that it takes to get in a theme here, Randall? <laughs> Well, well, the good news is you can do it during your favorite TV show, favorite podcast, whatever you're into. Maybe okay. maybe even right now. Well, don't do it right now. Wait until we're done. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really quite easy. You just start by making two lists. Um, first, you want to list all your assets. And that's things like your savings accounts, checking accounts, 
bonds, stocks, um, real estate, anything, even cars and boats, anything that you can sell for value. And then on the other end, you want to list all of your liabilities, things like your mortgage, home equity loans, car loans, student loans, right? That's a big topic right now. Personal loans, outstanding bills, and credit card balances. The difference between the two is your net worth, right? So that's the ultimate marker for how well you're doing because we love to see that number grow over time, right? And that's a good measure, a watermark. Okay, my net worth was this last year. It's this and at the end of Q1. And, and that's really how you set yourself up well to accomplish your goals for yourself and for your loved ones. Wow, you make it seem so easy, Randell. And I love your energy. You're, you're motivating me as soon as this webcast is over to get to it. Let's talk about spending a little bit, though, because I know I mentioned at the top of the show how consumer spending is really driving this economy right now. We all spend probably more than we, we should. So how does that factor into our financial forecast? Well, it's two parts. First, I want you to try to examine last year's spending and predict your cash flow for this year. So this is where it gets a little tricky. I must say, when clients come into our office and we're talking about um, setting up your goals and determining where you're at, spending is like one of those sticky parts because not everyone has a budget. And then even if you do have a budget or a spending plan, not everyone sticks to it. So that's one of the benefits of really having a spending plan because you know how much is coming in and coming out. You may have a little bit more wiggle room if you're not in uh, what we consider a more critical time, like when you're in retirement or you're nearing retirement. But it's good to make sure this is accurate. Don't just say you spend X amounts and that's really what you hope to be spending and not what you're actually doing because that will make it hard for you to accomplish your goals. So look at what you're spending. Um, and then maybe you want to determine, is this is this spending plan or this method working for me? And Fidelity has a lot of great guidelines regarding that. Now, I know there's a lot of conversations out there about cost of living, rents are high, mortgages, you know, and how much it costs to live in different places in the United States. I want you to hear this as a guideline and not a rule of framework. Make it work for you, right? So, the first guideline is essential expenses, and that's anything that you absolutely have to pay for every month. That's your housing, your food, your health care, paying for debt, transportation, child care, um, things that you, you have to absolutely do every month just to survive and be okay. Essential expenses. And the guidelines that we have, again, a framework is that maybe 50 to 60% of your take-home income um, could possibly go to that. The second of the three is future you, um, maybe retirement, if that's where you're at for retirement. So consider contributing up to 15% of your pre-tax income towards things like your 401k, your IRA. Um, a lot of people wonder if HSAs um, are, are part of this. Yes, your HSAs are part of that 15, 15% okay. and any place that you can have tax advantage growth is beneficial. And by the way, um, speaking of HSAs, if you're an individual, you can contribute up to $4,150 a year for this year. And then if you're a family, it's $8,300 for that tax year. I mention that because healthcare is expensive and it gets more expensive every year. And when you're in retirement, you're going to need a little bit more extra care. So it's a good idea to to think about that. So we talked about essentials. We talked about future you. 
And that leaves a little bit left over for lifestyle, discretionary spending, that nice to have, or maybe you have a goal of making a major purchase or you want to pay down debt, you want to pay for school in the future. That's the bucket that that lies in. Okay, got it, Randall. Thank you. So we flushed out the spending habits, and thank you very much for sorting through some of those big questions like HSAs. Uh, we figured out our net worth. What do we do next? What's the next step? Yeah, so with any budgeting plan, um, once you get your spending down and you're kind of anticipating how much you'll spend, you want to think about your your income changes, right? So maybe you have a new job, um, maybe uh, you want to think about what your performance bonus structure is for your <laughs> for your job this year. How much do you anticipate getting? Are you going to get an inheritance? Um, thinking about your retirement uh, account distributions, like required minimum distributions. What does that do for income coming in? And why am I asking that? Because of taxes, right? <laughs> you yep. have to think about how much you're going to have to pay for taxes. So it's a good idea to look at your federal and state tax situation. In fact, we know the federal income tax brackets are increasing for 2024. See where you're at, not just for income, but for capital gains so that you can manage them. But knowledge is power. Once you understand how the tax laws are changing and shifting, it'll put you in the um, position that you can manage these things, right? I really wish that more people thought about taxes and tax management in their investments as part of growth and performance because it's a big deal. So some things that you can do to manage this once you have that information is you can consider tax loss harvesting. You can consider Roth conversions if it's appropriate for you. You can consider maximizing your potential tax-advantaged contributions to accounts like your 401k, HSA, IRA, Roth IRAs, so that you have tax-advantaged growth over the time. It just depends on your personal situation. But those are some ideas on what you can do around taxes. Bottom line, make sure you know where you're at. Good bottom line. And I'm glad you talked about taxes, Randall, as we get ready for April. And I wanted to just quickly plug that we're going to have a couple of Market Sense episodes prior to April talking about taxes um, as we get closer. So we, we can't talk about refining your finances, though, Randall, without addressing your portfolio. Uh, let's sum things up by talking about what a good annual portfolio checkup should entail. Yeah, so annual or routine, I hope that you're, if you're listening to this, uh, that this is something that you're committing to do regularly. Um, and just a quick story, clients often come in and talk to me and my team about this. They come in and they want to know, am I okay? <laughs> like, is my account okay financially? And essentially what they're asking are, uh, am I on track for my goals? How is my performance? Am I getting the maximum performance um, based on what I'm trying to accomplish and what my preferences are? So so you can do the same thing. I'm kind of in this mindset. I'm one of those people at the beginning of the year. I set up all my doctor's appointments, all my dentist appointments. And what you do in those appointments are the similar things that you find out when you do a portfolio check-in. One of two things. Either you're in a good space regarding uh, your the health of your account or you know that there's something that you need to change. And just like for your health, the sooner that you find out that there's something that you need to address, the better. You don't want to wait until a critical point in time to try to fix something, right? That fix is a great it. analogy. Correct. That is great. I'm going to repeat that for everybody out there. You know, like if something is flagged, you know, when you go to the doctor, same thing. If something is flagged when you go to a financial advisor or when you're doing it yourself, you want to make sure that you hit it early on. You address the problem early on, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's the first thing you want to go through those checklists that I just mentioned where you are with your goals, where you are, where you are with your tax situation, income, um, your account inventory. And I think um, Urian, I might ask for your help here, too. So another thing that people ask about is how is my account performing? So maybe, Urian, you can share a little bit about your insights about how to go about that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, this has been great to listen to you. I, like, I, I'm taking notes as well. But <laughs> that, this notion of rebalancing uh, is so important because when markets move in a big way, your portfolio is going to look different, right? Like a 60-40 could become a 70-30, which, of course, would be probably a good thing. But you want to rebalance that back to whatever the number is supposed to be. Otherwise, you know, if you if the market goes against you, you're not at the starting point that you think you are. And so rebalancing, whether it's once a year or on your birthday or four times a year uh, or when the market has a really big move um, is, is so important because you want to have some sense that the portfolio you think you have is the portfolio that you actually have. And, um, and having them in, in my, my personal preference, having them at kind of predetermined intervals, I think is useful because you don't want to rebalance after the market just went against you because you're going to get emotional and you're going to want to do something. And it's also a good reason to have someone like Randell to talk to because if you're doing it yourself, who is going to check you to make sure you're actually making rational decisions and not emotional decisions? So having that other person in front of you or on the phone is, a, is an important kind of check and balance. And, and I'll add one more thing, too, because that's so great. At, make sure that when you're evaluating your performance and your account, let's say you have a 60-40 portfolio and you're measuring it against something else to determine whether it's going well or not. A common mistake that I see is measuring a 60-40 portfolio or 70-30, whatever it is, against the S&P 500, which is all domestic stocks, right? So make sure that when you're evaluating, you're using like investments mm -hmm. to determine whether or not your portfolio is doing the best that it can do. Well, Randell, you are so talented. Thank you so much. Like Urian said, we were both taking notes over here and now we've got our homework set out for us. Just to bring it back to the markets, because you were mentioning the stock market there, uh, Randell, let's just uh, get Timmer's take really quickly on what you are watching in terms of the markets and the economy, Urian. So we're, we're halfway through earnings season, so I'm watching the earnings reports carefully. And, you know, as I said earlier, we're, we're in this sort of rare place where the economy is, is, is resilient, even accelerating a little bit, while inflation is getting back closer to the Fed's target. Um, and, you know, where that lands obviously is going to tell us a lot about where the market's going, especially given the amount of momentum that it has right now. All right, Urian, thank you. And thank you, Randell, again for your perspectives today. And it's time right now to get out those camera phones. This is the part of our show where we put up a QR code or you can type in the URL right there on your page. If you're listening to us, I'll read the URL for you. It's fidelityevents.com slash money dash mindset dash BHM for Black History Month dash 
2024. So you can type that URL in or scan the QR code to be taken to a registration page for an upcoming Fidelity webinar that touches on some of the very things that Randell and Urian just talked about today. That webinar is called How to Shift Your Money Mindset. And you are in for a treat. Influencer and author Tiffany the Budget Nista Aliche is going to be joining Fidelity representatives next Thursday to talk about what it takes to help build wealth both now and in the future. And that webinar is in conjunction with Black History Month, but the webcast is open to everybody. And trust me, just like Randell, Tiffany has just this contagious energy to her. I've seen her in action. You'll want to tune in. You're going to learn something and you're going to walk away from it feeling really motivated. Uh, and speaking of financial plans, as always, if you have questions about making one or staying on track, Fidelity can help. You can call us. You can go online to our website or you can download Fidelity's app to learn more. And finally, if you missed any part of today's show and you want to see it again or listen to it again, you can watch the replay by going to youtube.com slash Fidelity on YouTube or you can search the words MarketSense on Fidelity.com. And if you don't have a screen, you can listen to us by searching for MarketSense on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. On behalf of Urian Timmer and Randell Lenore, I'm Heather Hedges. Hope you have a fantastic week and we'll see you back here next time. Remember, we are on Tuesdays at 2 Eastern. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. The information herein is general and educational in nature and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Tax laws and regulations are complex and subject to change, which can materially impact investment results. Fidelity cannot guarantee the information herein is accurate, complete, or timely. Fidelity makes no warranty with regard to such information or results obtained by its use and disclaims any liability arising out of your use of or any tax position taken in reliance on such information. Consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific situation. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are as of the date indicated based on the information available at that time and may change based on market or other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the Fidelity speaker and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and is the copyrighted work of FMR LLC. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, or servicing of these products or services, including Fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and or asset allocation do not ensure profit or protect against loss. Stock markets are volatile and can fluctuate significantly in response to company, industry, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Investing in stocks involves risks, including loss of principal. Foreign markets can be more volatile than U.S. markets due to the increased risks of adverse issuer, political, market, or economic developments, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. These risks are particularly significant for investments that focus on a single country or region. Fixed income investments entail interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall. The risk of issuer or counterparty default, issuer credit risk, and inflation risk. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic, and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. Fidelity Wealth Services provides non-discretionary financial planning and discretionary investment management through one or more portfolio advisory services accounts for a fee. Advisory services offered by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, FPWA, a registered investment advisor. Discretionary portfolio management services provided by Strategic Advisors, LLC, Strategic Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, FSB, and custodial and related services provided by National Financial Services, LLC, NFS. Each a member, NYSE and SIPC. FPWA, FBS, and NFS are Fidelity Investments companies. This information is intended to be educational and is not tailored to the investment needs of any specific investor. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.